Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, Jim and Johnny May were a Christian couple um, that I knew in another part of the country. Uh, They were committed to the Lord. They had three kids and they were trying to raise them. They were active in their church, uh, teaching their kids the things they need to know. And, and like every family that has teen, a, a child that reaches teenage years and then high school, you know, some extra challenges there, right? And their oldest daughter uh, in high school started to have boyfriends, you know? She'd have a boyfriend for a week and then have a new one or a month, you know, two or three months max usually and move on. Uh, then one day as she came into her senior year, a young man uh, asked her out and uh, she wanted to go, had to talk to dad and figure out what's going on here because he wasn't part of their church or anything and she's actually wanting to pursue a relationship with him. So um, Jim and Johnny May, parents, decided we need to, to talk to this guy. And so they came over and they talked with him and, and they shared the gospel with him, asked him questions. It turns out he went to church. He went to a church and, and he knew Bible stuff. And so he, had, he was able to answer their questions and talk. And so, he, you know, they felt okay about it. Uh, but so this was not a, a one week or two weeks or two months or three months. It went on four months, five months, six months through high school. And they would often have this young man over to the house and with the daughter whatever, and talk to him and just keep asking questions. They just weren't settled that where he was at spiritually. So they kept raising the issue and they did talk about other things related, anything that came up related to church. Or, you know, they, they have that conversation. And that wasn't always easy or convenient, but they felt we need to have this conversation. Okay, well, this continued through, high, through the senior high school and into the following fall. And uh, this young man, that, that summer in between there, um, kind of finally said, you know, I, I think I really believe what you're saying. I, I, I get that. I agree with that. And so then he had seen people getting baptized. He said, I need to get baptized. Okay, so he got baptized. Uh, and so... They kept, you know, the relationship with him. Now he's in church. Now he's active. He's involved. And, but about springtime of the following year, first year of college, and she had gone away to college, and he had stayed there, and um, she broke up with him. But right before that, just a few weeks before that, he had come to an awareness that, wow, you know what I realized? I never really understood And I never personally had received Christ as Savior. And he did. He received Christ as Savior. Got baptized again, because the first time didn't count now, you know. And and got baptized and served the Lord. And uh, so Jim and Johnny May, these these parents were faithful to do what wasn't always convenient. And what wasn't always what they felt like doing. But they had a conversation that led to the gospel. And that's what we're going to look at today. When we're done today, I think you're going to see that you need to be that person and that you can be that person who has those kinds of conversations with other people. Okay? So we're in the book of Colossians. In fact, this is the last sermon in our series in Colossians. 
and we talked about the theology of how we, we come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, we realize we've sinned against a holy God and, and uh, that if we die in that condition, we're separated from him forever in hell and we come to understand that Jesus was God's son. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life, had no sins of his own that he would be guilty of. And so he goes to the cross on our behalf and the, God the Father puts the penalty for our sins on him. And he dies paying that penalty in full. And when he comes to the end of that time on the cross, he says what? You know what he says, right? It is what? Finished. He'd done everything so that we could be saved. He rises from the dead three days later. And if we come to that understanding that we need a savior and we put our faith in Jesus, that at that moment, every sin is forgiven, we receive eternal life and God himself moves in. And now in Colossians, what we've been seeing is that, yes, not only did God move in, but somehow rather God took us and put us into Jesus. And we have this union with Jesus now. We will never be separated from him ever again. And why would we want to be, right? But we can't be. We're in union with him. And, and we're saying, so the idea we need to believe, in union with him, somehow rather I died with Christ. In union with him, I have now risen and have this new life in him. And, and so but what does this mean in practical ways? on the fact we're going to heaven now instead of to hell. And so that's what we've been talking about for the last three weeks, okay? And so we asked that question, how does our union with Christ affect our lives in practical ways? Well, first thing we saw that there are things in our lives that need to go, things that don't match what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, you know, sinful things, 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 that, don't, things that don't belong, things that aren't profitable for us in our lives as Christians. And then secondly, we saw that there are things that need to be added. There are character qualities and traits and habits, good things that need to be added that are consistent with our relationship with Christ. And then last week we said, we saw that there are some things that need to change in our relationships. God tells us in the Bible how we relate to different people in our lives, how we're supposed to. And, and we wanna trust God and live by those things. And that brings us to today, the fourth one, and that's this, that we need to share the good news with the world around us. We need to do that. And before we're done today, like I said, you'll see that, I believe, and you will have a sense that I can do this. I can do this. So, so let's turn our Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Verse number 2. So... Just know, what we've seen in Colossians is, is Paul starts off really praying for the Colossian people. And so he, he, he prays. He, throughout the New Testament, Paul writes, he talks about, I'm praying this for you, I've prayed that for you, we're praying. So prayer is a very big part of what Paul does and what every Christian ought to do. And then he talks about how, how uh, the Son of God is the Lord of all creation, the whole universe that's out there. And then he talks about how he came into the world and how he did what he did and then how when we receive Christ, he comes and moves in. And then all these things we've been talking about, the practical things, the changes that we ought to make. But then he starts to take us out of ourselves when he starts talking about the relationships and how those need to change. And to today he's going to say, okay, now it's time to go way outside of ourselves. We got to go somewhere and do something. So let's read here, verse 2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So the earnest in prayer, the sincere, boy, you know, this is not, uh, some of us come from religious backgrounds where we learned prayers to say, 
And if it, it's very easy in that setting to be able to just go through routine, right? And not be earnest in it, not be sincere in it. Doesn't mean you have to do that, but, but I'm saying that happens to a lot of people. And Paul said, no, we want to be earnest, sincere in prayer because prayer really matters. Prayer makes a difference. Being vigilant in it, that means keeping after it. Sometimes it's easy to let it slide, isn't it? Because you get busy. You get up and then your mind goes somewhere and you start doing something, you do something else and, and you didn't ever even stop to spend the time. So we need to be vigilant about that, that we keep this a part of our life. And by prayer, once again, it depends what your religious background is, where you're coming from. I don't know what it means to you, but what we're talking about is having a conversation with God. And uh, we don't hear his voice audibly back to us, but we can, he'll speak to us from his word, he'll put burdens on our hearts, there's lots of ways he can interact with us. The Holy Spirit within us can get our attention. So being vigilant, and then with thanksgiving. Once again, you go through Paul's talking about prayer. He, time and time again, he says, pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Because I think that reminds us of how privileged we are to be able to go to the God of the universe and that he cares and he listens. And, and so when we're stopping, we, we don't just go and say, okay, I need this, or would you do this? No, wait a minute. God, wow, thank you that I can even talk to you, right? And so that keeps us where we need to be in our relationship with the Lord and thinking about him. So that's prayer in general. But I want you to see here is that he has been talking about all these things in the proclamation, and he brings prayer up again, but prayer is now about not just how we live our lives for ourselves. It's not just about the problems that we're facing. It's about something more. So let's continue. He says, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. So as we pray, we want to pray in our situation. This would be like praying for a missionary somewhere, right? Who, who's out there and has the uh, opportunity to, to present the gospel. And he's saying, ask God to give us those opportunities. You know, we have missionaries that, uh, are, um, that we support that are actively involved with people groups that they could be put in jail or killed if they were in that country doing that, right? And so it's hard for them even to bring up a conversation with someone who is part of that people group because they could get that person in trouble and people aren't real open to talking about it. But we find as we have prayed for them, others have prayed for them, and they're certainly prayer warriors that what God does is he, he leads them and they, they meet somebody who is open. God has opened a door, okay? And so Paul is saying that pray for us, that God would open a door. And we need to understand that, that all of our witnessing, any, anytime we're trying to reach people, we need God to do something, right? Now, here's the deal. He will always do his part. It's up to us, isn't it, to do our part. So Paul says praying. So this is one of the things we need to be doing about getting the gospel out to the whole world is praying, praying for our missionaries, uh, that God would give them an opportunity to speak about Christ. And then he says this, for which I am also in chains. 
Paul is in jail because of this. How important is it? How, how many things in your life do you think you'd be willing to go to jail for? Well, I want to drive 90 on the interstate. Okay, are you willing to go to jail for that? Well, probably not, if I could help it, right? Uh, there aren't very many things that we're willing to do that, but getting the gospel out is one of them. So we'll talk more about that, but when, has it ever been inconvenient to share the gospel with somebody? It has, hasn't it? Often inconvenient in multiple ways. Well, Paul says, hey, I'm in jail for it. Can you be inconvenienced for it? All right, let's continue. And he asks, continue to pray. He says, that I may make it manifest, make it obvious, make it seen, make it clear as I ought to speak. So here's the apostle Paul. I mean, if anybody is going to do what they're supposed to do, wouldn't it be the apostle Paul? Yeah, but he's a human being like us. And he says, pray that I will speak as I ought to speak. Okay. All right. So this isn't something that just, there's a lot of things in, in life that work against us in doing this kind of thing. Now he turns it to them, to the Colossians, and which is very much to us. He says this, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom. We get that. We need wisdom for life, don't we? Do you need wisdom to figure out how to stay married? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Do you need anybody need wisdom to figure out how to raise your kids? Anybody need some wisdom to figure out how do I deal with my boss? Or I am the boss. How do I deal with these employees? You need any wisdom to figure out how do I, you know, do whatever? We need wisdom. And we're like that and we're about that stuff as Christians in the church. We need God's wisdom, right? Not our own. We don't need the wisdom, we need God's wisdom. And that's all true. But once again, as a church, it's easy for us to just focus on all that. But Paul made something very clear. He said, walk in wisdom. Walk meaning how you live your life. Walk in wisdom, what? Toward those who are outside. And he doesn't mean physically outside. He means they're outside the faith. They don't know Jesus. And so he's saying here, he's talking about praying and then getting God's wisdom. And, and by the way, he doesn't say pray for wisdom, but that's what James says. He says, if you need wisdom, ask God, God will give it. So we get this wisdom toward, that we know how to live with respect to those who are not Christians. It's real easy to get, uh, get busy living the Christian life and it'd be all about us, isn't it? Uh, and our Thanksgiving testimonies a, a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, two weeks ago, right here in the middle, Frank Harrison said something. He said something to the effect of, he says, I'm concerned sometimes that we as the church, enjoying what it means to be the church, forget about those who don't know the Lord. And so we got to be praying. We got to be diligent. We have to walk in wisdom. We only need to learn how my life should be lived in such a way that it affects people who don't know the Lord in a way that maybe opens the door for me to have a conversation with them. Or that if I do get a conversation with them, I have a credibility with them because of how I live my life. I live like a Christian. And then he says, redeeming the time. Um, you all made it here today. That's a good thing. How much more time do we have? 
Could the Lord come back before we pull the carpet? That'd be okay with anybody? That'd be okay with me. Um, we don't know how much time we have. And I hear from you time to time, you'll tell me about someone that you know. Or, uh, Frank, you were saying it, right? That you had a friend who's someplace who is on the way out of this world, most likely. Okay, so see, that's what we're talking about, right? The people that we know, the people in our lives that we, we never know. We never know how much time we're going to have to reach somebody. And so he says, redeeming the time. Make good use of that time. Make sure that the time, that your time is used in a way, spent in a way that is least moving toward sharing the gospel with somebody who needs to know it. And then he says this, with respect to our, you know, interacting with the people outside, let your speech always be with grace. Hey, not just talking about witnessing, that's good in every time you open your mouth. Right? And um, you can open your mouth without opening your mouth. People do it all the time on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, right? And has everything you've ever written on Facebook or Instagram been with grace? Right? The idea is so anywhere. And once again, if you're going to walk in wisdom with respect to those who are outside the Lord, you better be speaking with grace all the time. When you want to talk to them about grace, they're going to say, oh, no, I know you. I know what you're like. So we want to be careful. So let your speech be always, that's an important word, always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. Okay. The, um, what kind of food, somebody tell me, what kind of food would you not like if it didn't, wasn't salty? Don't say everything. <laughs> What's that? Rice? Fries. Fries without salt. Okay, all right, good. What else? Potato chips. Potato chips, yeah. Well, that'd be, uh, I got a story about that I'll tell you someday. Okay. Anybody else? Popcorn. A lot of food, right? If, you, if all of a sudden the salt wasn't there, you'd go, kind of bland, right? I know there's a few of you who are like that all the time, and your food is boring. But salt, okay? But very important, he says, what... what our speech is to be like that because that salt makes you well. It, 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 it kind of enhances the flavor and at least we feel like it does, right? And it makes us kind of want more. But he says, seasoned with salt. Sometimes people, when it comes to trying to talk to their unsaved family, friends, relatives, or online or whatever they're doing, take the salt container, right? The big one. And take a razor blade knife and cut the top off and go... <laughs> I remember my father sitting down at our table with us at one point, uh, and we had pizza, and he had a, a salt shaker out there, and he thought this salt container I mean, he was, was the uh, Parmesan cheese. You remember that? And he... <laughs> my dad told him, well, that's okay, you know, No, it's, it's fine, it's fine, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't fine, right? We, so we got to be careful. We need to be salty enough that it is attractive, okay, in our speech. So this is about how we, we interact with people. And, and here's the deal. He says, why should your speech always be with grace? Besides, it's just a good thing to do. Why should you, 
season it with salt, speaking in a way that's attractive and, and, and draws people. He says that you may know how you ought to answer each one. You know, one of the reasons that, that people struggle to share their faith is because they feel like, I don't know what to say. They might ask me a question I don't know how to answer. Well, what did Paul say here? He said, go hit the book so you'll know how to answer. By the way, that's a fine thing. That's a good thing. But that's not what he says, does he? No, he says, you learn to speak with grace. And, and a little salt where it's appealing and, and you have something to say. He says, if you do that, you will know how to answer. Do you believe that? But I don't know. God says, if you will speak with grace, with a little bit of seasoning of salt, you will, am I, am I making that up? Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Because the most important answer you can ever give is one that communicates that you value this person, what they think matters, and that God loves them, and that, man, I don't know the specific answer to that, but I, I do know this, that God loves you. Yeah, I mean, so you, can, you can answer, all right? So you can do this. So here we are. We get down to the very end of all this stuff, and Paul is now talking about getting the gospel out. Okay, it's like, we, okay, we understand all this stuff. Now we've got to get the gospel out. Okay, so... Um, Here's what we need to do in response to this. We need to develop an ongoing awareness of two things. An ongoing awareness. Not just something that we know. You have lots of stuff you know that's in your brain and you aren't aware it's there, are you? Until you go looking for it and you know it's there somewhere, but you can't find it. <laughs> but so we want to develop an ongoing awareness of this. You know, a couple, a few years ago, I don't know how long it was now, but Glenda and I were driving down 146 on the way to a wedding, and we were on 146 late on a Friday afternoon. You gotta know what that's like, right? And so the traffic, we're coming down towards Sutton, and it's, it's uh, backing up, and it's moving some still, but it's backing up slow. I'm in the left lane, and traffic all on the right, and, and I'm slowing down, because I gotta stop, this car in front of me, and I look in my rearview mirror, and I see, and just, it didn't take me but just a moment to realize this person coming up behind me is not stopping fast. And I yelled, I scared Glenda to death. I yelled, and I'm trying to see, is there any place I can pull over and move? And I, and I just kind of swerved in, kind of just in between two little cars in traffic, and yelling, and, and and I expected to be hit any moment, but the car just went right by me, about 40 miles an hour, right in the back of the car in front of, in front of him. Well, my heart rate. Right? Okay, so my, thankfully my dad had taught me over the years to kind of know what's going on behind you. <laughs> and, um, but I don't know if I was that, all that aware all the time, but by God's grace I was there. But do you know, all of a sudden, I became much more aware of what was going on behind me. So much so that a week later, Glenda and I are down on Park Avenue, May Street, CVS there, and I pull up that, and there's a guy 
coming behind me. I couldn't believe it. And I pulled over out of the way and he goes zipping around the corner. But the point is, now I am so much more aware. I have kind of an ongoing awareness. But see, we need to do that when it comes to being the people we're supposed to be here. An ongoing awareness. Not something we just know somewhere, but we're ongoing awareness. Two things. First one is people need the gospel. People need the gospel. We've already talked about the gospel, uh, but just grab this. There's one, there should be one around you there if you haven't already picked it up. Grab one of these, please. And I want, Everybody hold it up. Everybody hold it up. Okay? All right. So you can put it down. This is, the information that's in here is what people need to know. Now, there's lots of different ways to say these things than what's in here. There's different ways to explain things. That's all fine. I'm not talking about that specifically. I'm talking about the gospel. People need the gospel. Because what's the alternative, folks? The alternative is that they die without a relationship with Christ. And however you want to figure out what the Bible means when it talks about the lake of fire and all that kind of stuff, it's not a good situation. It's desperately bad. And so they need this. Now, somebody shared the gospel with you, probably most of you. You might be here today and this is all brand new to you. Hang in there. Uh, but what I want you to do right now, think, think in your mind, right? Who, of somebody who shared the gospel with you, whether it was a, a friend, a family member, someone you didn't even know, or a preacher in church, whatever. Okay? Can you think of that? Now, I want you to tell somebody around you who that person is. Go ahead, just right now. Tell so-and-so my, my, told me. Who told you? Tell each other. Tell each other. I know, he's asking us to do something. Yes. For me, I would say a man named Bob Cummings. He was a youth pastor at the church that I started attending, and he just spent a lot of time talking to me about a lot of stuff before I finally came to Christ. Uh, so someone shared with me, what if he hadn't? What if they hadn't shared it to me? I'd be lost today. You understand, that's, people are where you were. And are we so privileged that, well, we, we get to know, but they don't? Do we really, we don't feel that way, do we? I mean, as Christians, we really don't. But we let things get in our way when it comes to sharing the gospel. All right, so people need the gospel. Can you say that with me? People need the gospel. Okay, second thing we need to become aware of is that we are the ones who are supposed to give people the gospel. Now, did you already know that? You already know that today? Okay, but I want you to have an ongoing awareness of that as you walk through your life every day, that these people need Jesus, okay? People need the gospel, and who's supposed to give it? Right? Okay. It's us. Uh, we are supposed to do that. Um, so I want you to do this. I, normally we like you to put your phones away, but if you've got a phone, if you don't, if you have a piece of paper, you're taking notes, would you grab your phone? Open your phone up. Go ahead, really. Really. Now don't play music or YouTube videos, but what I want you to do is think about this. Who is someone in your life that needs to hear the gospel? Okay, don't, you know, I'm not asking you to say it to anybody. 
Who, who can you think of that you have a connection with, whether it's a close connection or just an occasional connection, but as you think right now, this person needs to hear the gospel. Who is it? Write it down in a note or something, okay? Would you put that in your phone? Write the name down. Got it? And I think that, obviously we could make a longer list, couldn't we? But what I'm, what I'm wanting you to see is that if we're gonna have an ongoing awareness, we have to do things like this, like write it down. Something, right? That, that we stay on top of this stuff. All right, uh, so in order, so we need to develop an ongoing awareness. Two things, people need the gospel and we're the ones who are supposed to give the gospel. Well, how are we gonna do that? How are we going to develop this ongoing awareness? Well, first we want to understand this. You know, we've been looking at the scripture in Colossians that in all things he might have the preeminence. Remember? That all things he might have the preeminence. Go ahead and go to that if you would, Eduardo. Okay. So you need to understand this, that Christ's preeminence in our lives and sharing the gospel are inseparable. You can't say Christ is preeminent in my life, well, except that I don't share the gospel. And I don't know what it means to you when I say share the gospel. I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm just talking about being alert, ready to have a conversation. Um, we surrender to the Lord. We come on Sundays and focus on that and when we worship. We grow to be like the Lord. You get some of that in here. We get it in our Bible studies. We tell others about the Lord. Well, we'll get to that someday. Doesn't work that way. If, if Christ is going to be preeminent, preeminent in our lives, we must be consciously aware and doing something about telling others about the Lord, about the, Christ, the gospel. Okay, so how are we going to do that? In order to develop an ongoing awareness of that responsibility, first thing we might want to do, go ahead, uh, Edward, a couple slides there, if you would, please. We need to include it consistently in our prayers. We do. You know, because my guess is that, you know, if you're like me, what we pray for, I'll, you know, I'll pray about growing and living, walking in the spirit. I want to do that. And, 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 and I pray for my ministry and I pray for my in-laws who are really in you know, a hard place. I pray for you guys, things that are going on in your life, hard things, difficult things, all this kind of stuff. I'm saying that what needs to be just as important on that list is, oh God, help us reach people for the, with the gospel. Help all of us as Christians, all everybody in my church, help our missionaries open those doors for them. And God, for me, God, would you open a door of opportunity for me today to connect with somebody about the gospel? And you may not have that opportunity every day because of your circumstances, but you're asking him to give you that opportunity. Now, who cares more about people coming to Christ, God or you? Now, hopefully more and more we care like he does. Our hearts change to be like his. But if you are asking God, the Bible says that if we ask God for anything that's according to his will, he hears us and he'll answer that prayer. God, please give me an opportunity to be a witness for you. Nah, not going to answer that one. 
That's crazy, isn't it? So we need to be consciously coming before God and say, God, please give me an opportunity to be a witness of some kind. And once again, if a witness to you, we've seen people do that all wrong, haven't we? We've seen people who had no grace in their speech. We've seen people who had no salt, seasoning of salt. We've seen that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being open, ready, wherever you're at. And, and you might say, well, gee, I don't know what to say. I, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't even know the answers. Well, you start wherever you're at, and that's what you got to share. Right? You got your own story. There's so much to talk about there, but let's keep moving here. So what is it we need to be aware of? First thing is what? People need the gospel. Say that with me. People need the gospel. Second thing we need to be aware of, we're the ones who are supposed to give them the gospel. Okay, we are the ones. Not somebody else, someplace. All right. So as we're going to develop this awareness, we want to begin including it consistently in our prayer. Second thing, we need to view uh, outreach. We need to view witnessing as an essential part of our lives, how we live. It's just part of what we do. That's what I say. When we say, what do we do as Christians? We do these things, including the last one that we tell others. And far too often, I mean, how important is it, and we've kind of already touched on it, but how important it is it that you live like a Christian in front of the people who don't know the Lord? Right? Very important. Extremely important that you value and that you treat them respectfully and, and that you care about what's going on. All those things are so important. But what we have to understand, we have this tendency to say, okay, yes, I'm going to make sure that my life is a good witness and that's all we do. But I want to see is that Paul, is in, in all of this, talks about, no, we need to live our way, lives this way, the way God wants us to live it, so that we can share the gospel with others from a point of credibility, right? Walking in the Spirit, trusting God for His empowerment, all of that. But it's, it's so that we tend to think that we live this life in place of speaking the gospel. No, we live life this way so that we can speak the gospel. Okay? Really, really important for us to remember. Because the great white throne judgment, where those who do not know the Lord will stand and, and the. the um, God will clearly show that they have um, sinned against the holy God, like we all have, but they haven't received Christ as Savior. And as they come to understand this, and your relationship with them over the years, that you were such a nice person. You were so nice. In fact, your name came up in conversation. Man, that guy's the nicest guy I ever met. And then they find themselves before the great white throne judgment realizing what their eternal destiny is. And if, I don't know that it can happen this way, but if they were to look over and see you, yeah. I thought you were nice. But how nice is it to let people head toward eternal doom without trying to do something? Is that nice? No. All right, so we don't want to be just nice people. We need to be people who speak. The truth, and I'm not telling you don't be nice, that's good. <laughs> All right, uh, so I'm just going to move through this quickly. But the third thing is we just need to do it. 
How do we develop an ongoing awareness? We've got to do something. We've got to do it. We need to open our mouths and speak. And let me just hold this here. Speaking is a big step of faith for most of us. Um, because it's easy to be the nice person and not speak. And they'll think you're a nice person all the time. As soon as you open up your mouth to speak something about the Lord and relationship, you put that relationship at risk, don't you? They might not think of you as a nice person anymore because you're trying to force me to be, whatever, right? Um, but we need to open our mouths to speak. A big step of faith, you might experience rejection, but the Apostle Paul said, yeah, well, I'm in jail, okay, for this. Um, you may say, I don't know what or how to speak, but remember God promises you will be able to know how to speak. You know, you pray, you depend on him, do what he says, and, and just do it. That sounds, I think, that's not much help, right? <laughs> because we could have whole classes on it. Let me tell you how my, my concern is the pastor. Just give you an example. A few years ago, we offered a class. It was on a Wednesday night. Uh, when we were still doing classes on Wednesday nights and it was about how to share your faith. And I was all excited. We had 16, 17 people show up in that class and, and the next week we had like 12 and the third week we had like six. And the last three or four weeks it was me and Sue Lindsay. What's going on there? I could be a terrible teacher, but that's probably not what was going on there. It's because it's not easy for us. It doesn't come natural to us. And it was starting to put people in a place where they had to do something. Okay? But so that's crucial. We got to do something or we never get over that hump. You'll be surprised when you actually start bringing up the gospel and talk to somebody. And I'm going to give you some examples of how you about this. So let's talk about some practical ways to get started. Practical ways to get started. Uh, here's the analogy that I like to use. And the idea is that we want to see if the door's open to somebody. We ask God to open the doors. Well, how do we know if it's open? Well, you do something that you wouldn't really do in life, but you go up to the door and you jiggle the handle a little bit. You jiggle the handle. And if somebody on the inside screams, says, get away from here, I don't want to talk. Okay, this one, the door's not open, is it? But you jiggle the handle and nothing bad happens and you kind of turn the handle a little bit and nothing bad happens and you open the door a little bit. And you're still talking, you got a conversation, and you can open the door more. You see, but it's just about seeing is this door open? And so how do you see if the door's open? Don't avoid people. Instead, smile and connect in the situations you're in. If it goes anywhere, then you've got an opportunity. If you get a chance, speak. Say something connected to your relationship with the Lord. You know? If you're talking to somebody, and it's someone maybe you already know, or it isn't someone that you've just met, but what a beautiful day the Lord has given us. You could just say, what a beautiful day, that's safe. But if you say, what a beautiful day the Lord has given us, the door may be jiggling the handle, you see what I'm saying? And you just see where it goes. And, and um, if the conversation continues, ask some sincere questions. Show that you value the other person, you care. And here's a <clears throat> question that I've asked off and on over the years. Do you mind if I share something with you that's just really changed my life in so many good ways? 
well, I don't really have time for that now. Okay, that's fine. But if they say, no, I don't mind, tell them. Well, I don't know all the words to say. Just tell them what happened to you. You know, another thing you can use is, is church. You can talk about church. You know what I... Right in the very beginning, Jesus is calling disciples. Actually, disciples come, or people come to him who are going to be his disciples. They say, where are you staying? What do you mean? He says, come and see. And he takes them to where he is. And we go on down this conversation. Philip uh, goes to this guy named Nathaniel and says, we found the Messiah. You need to come. You know, and he says, what? I don't know. And Philip says, come and see. So there's nothing in the world wrong with you and you're witnessing, you're sharing your faith when you don't necessarily know all to say, but say, hey, I'm going to this church and it's just different. You know, people are friendly. They, they actually just take the Bible and help us to understand it. And you ought to come sometime with me. It's just, it's really good. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Because they're going to come and be exposed to the gospel. The idea is just... Care about people and their spiritual condition and ask God to help you to do something, right? Let's don't have another week of not doing anything. Okay, so here's my challenge to you for this week. Oh, let me say this. Let me encourage you to, to speak because it may change someone's life forever. Uh, so Jim and Johnny May, the couple I taught you about, was me. They were talking to. Changed my life forever. So grateful. So this week, ask God to give you the opportunity to share the gospel in some way, beyond just being a nice person. And then be alert to ways he might answer your prayers. And when he gives you an opportunity, take it. And let this be a reminder to you of this. And you can give this to somebody. You can leave it for a waitress. By the way, if you leave it for a waitress, tip her, him, 18 to 20%, and then add another 5 or 10. I'm serious. I had a daughter who worked in the restaurant industry for a number of years, and she said we all knew that when the Christians came in, the tips were bad. What a terrible testimony. So, don't do that. Blow them away. Wow, why'd they give me five extra dollars or ten extra dollars, right? Uh, and then if you have a chance, and this is what I've done, I have the waitress that down that we've seen every week uh, in Southbridge for the last couple years, but talking to her, and, you know, I, I've given her different things, but to say, hey, when you get a chance, would you, I encourage you to read this. It changed my life. What this talks about changed my life. And then I gave her a book later, and then another book, and, and I don't know what God's doing, and, and I'm not seeing her anymore, so. Um, but you can use this, and it's best if you can say something as you use it, but if you can't, leave it. Last thing I'll say to you is this, that Frank Travers, most of you know, many of you may not, or some of you may not, passed away a, a few years back here in our church. But when he was a teenager, I think out of high school, maybe even, but he, he was playing drums in a rock band. That was his thing he was, hadn't wanted to do in life. And he said he was walking someplace and he looked down on the ground and the ground was wet because it had been raining and there was something, a, a gospel track of some kind on the ground in a puddle. He said something 
for some reason, I picked it up. And he took it home and laid all out and dried it out and read it and then put it away in his dresser drawer. And they said every now and then something would say, go read that. And he'd go pull that back out and read it again. And after a few years of that, he received Christ as Savior. From a track that fell on the ground in a puddle. Now, that's, I'm not recommending that as a strategy. <laughs> but God will work if we will do our part. So I'm going to be challenging you this week on, online to be thinking about this. If you forget a day, do it the next day. I mean, just don't be defeated here. You want to have asked God for the opportunity this week and then been alert for that opportunity. If it shows up, take it. That's what you want to do. Okay? That's all. If God doesn't give any opportunities, then he doesn't. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that somebody shared the gospel with us. I pray, Lord, that we'd be mindful of sharing it with others, that this very challenge we're talking about, Lord, each day this week, asking you to give us an opportunity Help us to remember that, to be alert to it, and then if it comes up, to take it, Lord. And, and uh, however it works, however far it goes, it's your business at that point, Lord. Help us to become a church that is actually reaching people for you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.